0: Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman. And today I have my friend Kimberly Voorhees joining me of Yesterday and Forever. Hey, Kimberly. Hi.
1: How are you? I'm doing well. I just finished my cup of coffee. So we're ready to go. Girl, me
0: too. I'll (laughs) have four after this. Oh, me too. (laughs) Struggle is real. Oh, I just, I love it. It's more of like a, a, a habit that's like a special routine than a need, but I just love coffee. I go to sleep at night
1: like, looking forward to waking up so I could have my cup of coffee. <laughs> yes,
0: it's like an experience. It's it totally is. a morning experience that's just special. So oh, anyways, I would love for you to start by kind of sharing a little bit about yourself, your story. I think your story is incredible um, with what you have going on with your family and what's going on in your world. So please share. I know our listeners are going to be enamored. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And I am such a firm
1: believer that my story is still being written. So I will share what has happened so far and, um, yeah, I'll get started. So I, um, grew up, you know, a pastor's daughter, someone who, um, knew Christ from a really young age. And I have amazing parents and they always modeled what it looked like to lead a life that truly followed God and the life of service. And as I got older, um, You know, I went to school, I graduated, I went to college, I um, met Mr. McDreamy, my husband Mark, (laughs) and um, he's, he's amazing. And we got married right after college, and then I was continuing on with my education for my master's degree. And unfortunately, like right when both of us graduated college was when the economy crashed several years ago. And so we just um, learned what it looked like to struggle. And we both, you know, had been told our whole lives, you go to school, you go to college, you graduate, you get a good job. But unfortunately at that time, like there was nothing. And so both my husband and I worked multiple part-time jobs and just, um, we went through that season of like waking up just to work, just to survive. And it was rough, um, I don't think anybody dreams of that for like their first couple years of marriage and just not really doing anything that we loved, but just having to work because there was bills to pay, you know, medical insurance and stuff like that. So I remember there was one season where it was like, I was getting my master's degree at night. I was working one full-time job that was like 40 hours a week. And then I would go to work on the nights that I wasn't in school. So I was working like 60 hours a week just to keep our head above water. And, um, it was crazy. Um, that's a season I look back at, and I think, how did we survive that? Um, but, you know, finally things settled down with the economy. I had a great job. I had graduated with my master's. My husband had a great job. Um, we started going to a new church, and I joined a small group and met this couple, which are now some of our best friends, and they were fostering. They were fostering these sweet little girls and— um I just saw the life that they were living, and they were just living so sacrificially and hands open. And they gave us this really cool behind-the-scenes um, you know, view of what it looked like to foster. And we live um, outside of Los Angeles County, and this county is known to have a really broken foster care system. And it was incredible to watch their journey, and I'm just so thankful for for their vulnerability and their rawness and sharing their journey with us. And I remember one night my husband and I were talking, we didn't have kids yet. And we were like, there's such a need for this and we can do it. You know, why aren't we doing this? Like, why aren't we fostering kids? There's kids in our own backyard that need homes and we have the ability to give them that. So why aren't we? And so um, that was really convicting. And, we started the process of getting licensed to foster and getting certified. And we also had gotten certified to adopt at the same time because when you go into foster care in Los Angeles, you never, as a foster parent, you never know if the child is going to um, end up needing a permanent home versus just a temporary one. So we also got licensed to adopt. And at the same time, my husband and I were still working full-time out of the house. And soon enough, it was time for to welcome in our first little babe. And that was just a surreal experience. I remember um I was at work. I got a phone call that was like, you get really little information. So it was like, we have a little boy. He's three days old. He needs a home. Will you take him? And I didn't, you know, as a first time mom was like, uh, okay. Yes. And then I looked at my coworkers and was like, what do I need to go get from Target? And <laughs> I ran to Target and got like every essential that you could need for a baby. Um, We had already had like our home prepared, but as far as we didn't know what ages we were gonna have. So we got like all the clothes and the bottles and the formula and I ran home. And I just remember like a couple hours later, our social workers pulled up and they just delivered this beautiful baby boy. And I remember they like placed him in our arms and he just took this big sigh. And it was like, the The most beautiful experience of just welcoming a little boy home oh. for whatever time that was, and um, then the social workers leave, and you're just like have this beautiful life. But but every minute that you get with them, you don't know how long um, you're going to have. And so I jumped into the role of mom, you know, even if it was temporary, and um, did that. So so I had took a little bit of a break from work. And I just fell in love. You know, it was really weird because I had all of a sudden joined this, like, mom club. I'm, like, have a stroller, doing the park thing. <laughs> um, and it's fun. You know, it's kind of what you dream of. But foster care is not all glamorous. And um, I remember I was shopping at Target one day, and I was, like, loading my cart to with things for the baby. He was in the cart, and I got a phone call from our social worker, and they were like, we're coming to pick him up. He's moving. And at that moment, I just remember being like, I was by myself and it was one of those moments where like time stands still and you just feel like super alone because everybody else around you is still shopping for their groceries. But I'm like staring at this baby that I'm never gonna see again. And I didn't know how to process that. Like it was just, it just broke me like in the best way and in the worst way. But um, that was our new reality. It was like, okay, God called us to love on this little boy and now he's leaving. And what do I do with that? So we said goodbye to him. It was, it was like horrible. I mean, it was just, you can't prepare yourself for that because even as foster parents, knowing that it could be temporary and knowing that your job could only be for a few days or a few weeks, you still fall head over heels in love with this precious child and nothing can prepare you for saying goodbye. Um, so after he left, my husband and I didn't really know what was next for us. You know, we still had responsibilities. We had a house, we had a mortgage, we had jobs full time. And I was like, how can I continue to foster um, when we have so much responsibility? And, and this takes a lot of time. And, um, but we knew that God was just calling us to say yes. And so this time around, you know, with, with saying yes again, we were now we were like, no longer rookies. Our hearts had been scarred once and now we knew what we were getting into. So we got another phone call for a little boy and, um, this time we were hesitant, but we said yes. And I took further leave from work just a few days. And, um, I met this precious boy and my heart was just like still shattered from our last goodbye, but we fell in love and, um, man, it's just such a weird experience to jump into parenthood like this, you know, because it's not what you dream of growing up. Right. You dream of like all these first moments that you're going to have with your children. But when you're fostering every day, you're like, okay, you want to record everything and you want to remember everything and you're holding them at night when they cry. And usually people are like, oh man, it's so hard to be up at night. But for me, I was like, no, it's like one more night that I get with them. What a blessing. Because we had seen what it looks like for, to no longer have that child in your home. Um, so yeah, we, we quickly like went back to work, even though we had the baby, we had, we had figured out a great daycare situation and we were doing the thing, like doing it where we, we both work and we're, we're parents as well. And this is what God had given us. And so, um, we were just trying to steward it to the best of our abilities. And a few months later, I was at work once again on a, on a quick lunch break and, it's funny, because, like normally people have a lunch break and they just eat. But like, for me, it's life-changing <laughs> things that happen. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got a call and I found out that the little boy that we had had two precious um, siblings that were girls At that time, they were three and four years old, and they needed a home. And um, we were just blindsided, like we didn't see this coming. Um, our social workers were blindsided, but we just knew that, Um, After praying about it and thinking about it, I mean, you only have a few minutes to decide, but we just knew like God brought this little boy into our life for a reason and now he's bringing these girls into our life for a reason. Um, So I was completely frightened, completely scared about what this would do because it's one thing to work full-time and have one kid in foster care. It's another thing to work full-time and have three. Um, So what I ended up doing was saying yes and I ended up leaving my job and that was terrifying. I it was this weird um, moment where we we're like, God, we know that you're asking us to do this, but how are we gonna, you know, provide for our family? How are we gonna pay our mortgage? Like, I we had just settled into great jobs, and we knew that he was gonna provide. Um, so we quickly became a family. It was first my husband and I, and now we had three kids, and we just jumped into in the foster care world, they would say an instant family. And, um, we did life together and it was hard. It was, it's really hard to, um, you know, take kids from broken places, not just for the kids. It's hard on ourselves. You know, I'm a new mom. And all of a sudden I'm trying to navigate this world of like, what does a three and a four year old eat? You know, what type of, um, education do they need? They've, they've experienced a lot. Like, how can I fill these gaps? And, um, it was just a very humbling season and a really beautiful one at the same time and a really broken one. Um, so we settled into the, to the family and God quickly opened the doors for a job for me to work at home. Um, it's so funny that I would ever doubt him. You know, he provided every single need that we um, could have ever imagined. I remember even before the girls came home, we had told people at our church and like by the time we got home, we our whole porch was covered with like... You know, people had done target runs for us and gotten, um, you know, booster seats and clothing and bedding. I mean, we needed beds and mattresses and pajamas. The girls came with nothing. I mean, it was just, it was, it was so um, like your stereotypical foster care story where they show up with a trash bag and they're like emptying it on our grass and there's nothing in there. Um, And it, it was like, it was the biggest honor to be able to welcome them into our home with things for them. And just so many people had already loved them before they met them. Um, And during this time, like, it's interesting because I can look back at the days when I was at my office job, you know, a full-time job out of the house. And I remember sitting there and thinking, I'm so grateful for this job, but I feel like I was designed for more. And that was super hard for me, you know, sitting there just kind of waiting for the day to be over, doing what I needed to do, but knowing that God had more for me. And it took us saying yes um, to really hard things for me to realize what God was doing. He did have more for me. Um, He had so much more for me, but it took my husband and I to just say yes and walk into these scary unknowns and trust that He would lead us. Um, I remember, you know, I've always had dreams of owning a business one day and speaking and sharing our story. And I remember I was sitting at church and this worship song came on that had the words yesterday and forever. And I just, um, you know, my eyes welled up with tears because I knew that that was God telling me like, this is what what you're gonna call your story is yesterday and forever. And there's the Bible verse that comes out of Hebrews um, 13, that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And that verse has been something that I look back on daily because we would be just in the trenches of these heavy stories in foster care And we would go to sleep not knowing if we were going to say goodbye to all of our kids the next day. And I would look at that verse and remember, you know, the same God that conquered the grave um, is writing our story. And how powerful is that? And um, the same God, you know, who um, who created this earth is loves my children, you know, more than I ever could. And there's so much beauty in that. And so yesterday and forever has just stuck with me and I have big dreams for that. You know, I'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like or how I can use that in the future. Um, but right now, I know that it means that we share what God has done. And so that's what I'm doing with yesterday and forever right now. Um, but another thing is, is, you know, after we said yes to our three kids, we um, also got a chance to say yes to another baby. And that was totally unexpected as well. And so we welcomed in a fourth child. Wow. And yeah, here we were. Um, You know, I'm, I'm not a superhero. I'm not. And I'm not, you know, I'm far, I'm like the farthest thing from a Pinterest mom. And throwing birthday parties seems like, you know, I'd rather just like order pizza and get paper plates. Like, I'm just not that like, you know, I'm not that like PTA mom, but I can love well. And so... I it's funny because I remember just like walking into church with these four kids and people looking at me like, "Whoa, she's either like really awesome or really crazy." And I was <laughs> like, "Okay, maybe a little a bit of both, but probably mostly crazy." Um, but yeah, we just knew God was asking us to say yes. But um, you know, she's not with us anymore, and and I remember holding her and every single day thinking, you know, God laid down His life for us, and He's asking us to do the same for this child. Um, we know that she might not be with us forever. We know that it might just be days. It ended up being, you know, like about five months, and um, that was super hard because we had to say goodbye to her. And now it affected not just my husband and I, but it affected our whole family. And I remember, um, you know, we went to court, and we in foster care, you kind of just sit sit in the back. You don't really get to say much as foster parents. And the judges um, made a decision to move the child, and um, you know, for no reason we had nothing to do with it. Um, she just, she's, she's doing great, but she was moved. And I remember my husband was just, you know, crying. He had, he had fallen in love with this little girl. And I looked at him and I was like, you know, and as did I, I had just fallen in love with her. She was as if she was my daughter. And I just looked at him and was like, you know, we've been faithful. We have done exactly what God has asked of us. And now, now our story with her is over. Um, but having to walk your family through that, you know, I, I went to go pick my kids up at school and just with this huge lump in my throat, like I have to tell them that we have to say goodbye. And, and really we're never, we're most likely never going to see this child again. Um, you know, how do you do that to to two little girls and a little boy? How do you tell them like, oh, this girl that has been your sister basically is now leaving and you have no say about it. Um, yeah. So I just remember like picking them up from school and and like, I, it was like a slow motion movie. The kids were skipping by, and then I, I looked at them and I looked at their teachers, and their teachers were amazing. And like they knew, you know, they knew what I was about to say. And, um, oh. you know, watching my children just like ball, like just tears that that are unexplainable. And I'm, I remember just sitting there thinking, like, I have to keep it together. I have to keep it together. Um, but it, but God just gave me the exact words to say. Um, I was able to tell them, you know. We needed to give this little girl a safe home, and we never knew for how long it would be, but our, our time with her is over, and uh, we have to trust that God's gonna keep her safe. And I pray that my children will remember that conversation for the rest of their life, and that um, they will always remember that we are just the hands and the feet that do God's work, um, but we are not God, you know, and, and He's the one that writes our stories, and it's our job to be faithful. And so I pray that as, um, you know, the kids that I had to tell that to, I pray that they'll, they'll know that. And um, since that time, you know, our family had to go process through that and walk through loss. Um, I think that's something that society has a hard time understanding for foster parents because, you know, if you lose a child um, naturally, there's usually a funeral and some type of closure. But when you lose a child through foster care, people don't know how to respond. You know, you get like, well, you guys knew that was going to happen, or you get people that just don't know what to say. And so that was weird. You know, we kind of just laid low with our family for a while and um, just really pressed in here and reminded the kids that were in our home how much we loved them. Um, and since then, we've gotten to adopt the other three. And so that happened in December. And so now we're this family of five. And um, yeah, we're far from perfect, but we're figuring life out together. And um, I'm just following following what God has in store, you know, he's definitely still writing this story. We still have a lot of like healing to do and processing, you know, what has happened in the last um, couple of years in our life. And, uh, but mostly we're just rejoicing in like, we serve a amazing father who truly is good. You know, we sing those songs. He's a good, good father, but can we still say that when you're experiencing loss or when you're walking through super hard seasons? And I've come out on the other end and I've been able to say yes. You know, I can still say that he's a good father. And um, so right now my focus is just teaching our children more about him.
0: Wow. wow. Okay, so okay. two questions okay. first. <laughs> people really told you. Well, you knew, knew, that knew that was, was going to happen. happen. You know, I wish I could say um, that that
1: I made that up. But, you know, I don't think that people mean to say hurtful things, but um, there's not a ton of awareness around foster care or around what it looks like to be a foster parent. So yeah, there was, we had a great community of people that definitely supported us and brought us dinners and were there for us. But then there's, there's other people that would just, you know, act as if she didn't exist or like that time in our life didn't happen. And that's, that, you know, that's hurtful because, um, this little, you know, that five-month period changed me forever. Right. And, um yeah, you get people that say things for sure. But I've kind of learned as a foster parent, I think other foster parents would agree that you just shake it off. Um And you realize that they probably, you know, there's just no wisdom in that. But it is what it is. Yeah, I'm sure you get a little more <laughs> um
0: accustomed to comments like yes. that the longer. But yes, I'm sure yes, it's extremely true. shocking at the beginning how, Insensitive people can be.
1: Yeah, I think people don't know how to process it, but it's opened my eyes to loss in general. Um, you know, before being a foster parent, I had never really walked through a ton of loss like that. Um, but to have a child in your arms one day and a child in your in you know in a car seat, and then the next day they're not there. Um, you know, your body's your body goes through like a physical loss experience where you're like opening the back door of the car to get them out and then you're reminding yourself that they're not there. Or like your, you know, phantom cries or you're waking up in the middle of the night to feed them and they're not there. That stuff is real. Yeah. Um, and I've been able to relate to other moms who have lost children in different ways. And I know that it's not exactly the same, but um, if anything I've learned is to acknowledge people's loss rather than walk around
0: it. Wow! Yeah, I can I can imagine. And so y'all got to go through the adoption process, and it completed in December, right? So how long was that? Yes, praise the
1: Lord. Um, It took about a little over two years for the whole process. So we've had our children now for about two and a half years, and um, but yeah, it's only been a couple of months that we've known that like been a forever family. So So it was really. Amazing celebration. You know, we had like 50 plus people just flood this tiny, tiny little courtroom. Um, We were able to pray outside of the courthouse. My dad, um, you know, he's an amazing dad and he led us in prayer outside the courthouse because although we were celebrating, it's the same courthouse where there's lots of um, hardships and brokenness that's still going on. So that was a really cool experience just to say, God, thank you for what you've done, but Lord, please come, you know, um, and be here because this is a very broken place.
0: Absolutely! Wow. So, what has this process opened your eyes to? I, I listened to another podcast where you're being interviewed. What has this opened your eyes to within the church? Is there enough support? Um, what What do people need to be more aware of? Because you know, until I started listening to interviews. You know, I've gotten a little more familiar with the foster care system and I've heard about LA County in, in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still don't know a lot. And and you're right, there's there's not enough out there kind of opening the conversation on it. Yeah. I would just love to hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah, well, a couple of things. Um, the first thing is is that if if anybody listening, you know, has any desire or feels any calling to foster um, go explore that, you know, go check out a lot of agencies or counties have like orientations where you can go and just find out the process and don't let your current situation or thoughts of like, I could never do this, stop you. Because I think when God places something on your heart, it's our job to respond to that and then let him take care of the details. Um, but as far as the church. it's so important. I can't imagine fostering without a community of support. We were really, really um, blessed to have that and have, you know, but it was the same couple of families that continued to support us. It was the same families um, that would show up time and time again. And that would ask us questions and ask us how we're doing. But if the thing with foster parents is there's so much that goes on behind closed doors. There's so much heaviness. Um, you know, I worked, and I had at one time four kids. We had two of them in therapy multiple times a week. We had um, court mandated visitations for like nine hours a week, which really took about about like twelve to fifteen with driving time. We had two kids in school. Um, I had my job responsibilities and on top of that, you have social worker visits, a lot of doctor's appointments. Um, and so for us, obviously it was like magnified or multiplied because of how many kids we had. Um, but I was going through a hard time where it was like, I could barely keep anything straight. You know, I would miss friends, baby showers. I would miss people's birthdays. I was just trying to survive day to day and having those people to just step into your life and say, Hey, I'm praying for you. I see what you guys are going through, you know, um, what can I do? That's the best thing you can do for somebody. Because for me, I didn't need anything grand. Sometimes I just needed somebody to sit there and listen to the type of day I had. Or, um, I had a friend and this was probably the biggest blessing is she just knew that I was never going to ask for help because I usually don't. And she would just show up with dinner or she would text me like, uh, around lunchtime and say, "Hey, I got you guys covered for dinner tonight. Don't worry about it." And then what that allowed me to do was to spend a night with my kids and not have to worry about cooking. And when your time is limited, those hours are gifts, you know, for somebody to say like, "I'm going to take the cooking off of your plate tonight and bring you dinner," means that I get a few more hours hands-on quality time with my kids that might be leaving the next day. <laughs> and so that was the biggest blessing, but I feel like um, as a church body in general, um, God calls us to, you know, just to step up and, and lift up each other's arms when they can't do it themselves. And so that text message that says "I'm praying for you," those meal drop offs, um, those like, "Hey, do you need help with um, babysitting?" If you're if you can't foster, you can get certified to do like so that you can be like a certified, almost like a certified babysitter for foster families. And that's hard because, um, or that's such a gift for foster families because we couldn't go on a date without having the right type of babysitter. Wow. Um, And so to have that would be such a gift in the church. Um, But more than anything, just acknowledgement of like, not like, hey, look at us, you know, but acknowledgement, acknowledging like, hey, this is hard and we need help. And sometimes that help is just a hug and a prayer. Um, Yeah, and then I guess having walked through loss as a church body, I would say, you know, when you have a foster parent in your congregation and you know that a child has left their house, like, I know this might be extreme, but like treat it kind of as a death because what they're processing is is a goodbye. And really you might not ever see them again. And there's a lot that goes into
0: that. And so just show up during those times. Totally, I mean- yeah, I mean, that gives me insight on how to respond to something like this. Or, you know, even as I've been listening, I've thought about, wow, it would be helpful to get certified because you're right, you can't go on a date with someone without someone who is certified watching your children. Could you travel with them when you were a foster, when they were your foster children, not? No, that's another thing. Um,
1: so they, a lot of times we, ref, we ref, refer to it as respite care, which is when families are licensed, to watch children like that, like for foster parents. So if we were going going on a vacation and we didn't get the vacation approved with the kids, because you would have to get it approved through court, um, then we would have to have the kids stay at a respite family. So like I've done respite care before for other families. So like in the midst of having our kids, we've like had a couple of weekends where we took other people's foster kids as well because we were already licensed. But that's a big blessing as well. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't do, you know, go anywhere. So just to have those people that saw that need and were willing to
0: say yes to it was the biggest blessing. Well, it's amazing and truly a calling because you, I mean, with foster care, you are more tied down than with, you know, adoptive children because you mm-hmm. have you have appointments, you have things to be at, you can't travel. I mean, that really is a sacrifice and obviously those children are worth it. They're your children. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gives me so much insight into um, the sacrifice foster parents, you know, truly are laying down their lives for um, these children. And there's obviously an extreme need. What is the foster care situation like in America? I'm sure a lot of people listening don't know.
1: Yeah, I see. I'm the worst with statistics. I'm <laughs> sure you could Google it and pull it up, but I can give you a little picture. And I mean, there's thousands and thousands where I live. Um, so I'm still technically certified and. If I were to call our agency right now and say, hey, we're willing to take another child, which we're not ready. You know, we don't know what that looks like. But if I were to do that, most likely I would have a baby here tonight.
0: Wow. That's
1: how devastating the need is. Um, our agency alone said, says that they get about 30 to 40 calls a day that they cannot place um, for like four kids. And there's just not enough homes. And so it's um yeah it's devastating and I'm sure there's other people that would be a lot better about telling you the true statistics of it but I just know that it's thousands um where did those kids go that they can't place so that's a good question I know that if there's newborns that um I have a friend that's a nurse in like a county hospital and she was saying that there was a little baby boy that was there for about 23 days because they couldn't find him the right family um or a family that was willing to take him and his needs. So sometimes if they're newborns, they'll stay in the hospital. Um, sometimes they would like to keep siblings together, but they, you know, instead of being able to keep them together, they'll have to split them apart because there's not enough families who would be willing to take sibling sets. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, like the, I'm not sure the exact specifics of it, but I just know that especially where we are, the need
0: is insane. Wow, that's, a, that's amazing. Um, it really... Put something on my heart. So I'm excited to ask you um, more questions about this yeah, in the future. so cool. So what's it like? I mean, juggling, obviously you have this, you have a date, you have a job where you work from home. You have mm-hmm. three children um, and ha- one's still not in school yet, right? right? Right. And then you have, you know, kind of this dream and this vision of what you want to do with yesterday and forever. How do you balance that? Because whether, you know, they are adoptive parents listening or... Moms with all their children still at home. like it, Timing is everything. And I know it can be discouraging in those seasons where you have a vision and you have a dream, but really there are not enough hours in the day to do whatever <laughs> you're already doing. So yes, I would love truly. for you to touch on that because I know that um, there are plenty of people listening that would love encouragement in that season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I would say is don't
1: think that because it's not the right time Um, that doesn't mean that God's not going to do something with your dreams. And so for me, you know, I've had this idea of yesterday and forever for like three years now. And all I have is an Instagram account to show for it. Um, and not even that large of one. So what it is, is more desires of my heart, um, But every time that I would go to start something, like I would go to start a website, I would go to a blog. I would go to like look into different ideas that I had. A huge life change would happen. You know, another child would be added to our family or another three children would be added to our family. Um, And I would just hear God, you know, mercifully tell me to wait. I mean, that was just, I just knew um, this is where I needed to be. And so I would just encourage you to, that sometimes um, being faithful Doesn't mean having a large audience and having a successful business. Sometimes being faithful just means waking up every morning and stewarding what God has already given you and then praying about those desires. So for me, you know, I pray about yesterday and forever often. And I have those moments where I'm like, maybe it's now, maybe God wants me to start this now. Maybe it's never. I don't know. But I just know that um, God does care about the desires of my heart. You know, He has He has a lot in store for me. But during this season, my job is to wake up every morning to do the work that's been already been entrusted to me, and to teach our kids more about Him. And quite frankly, He's shaping me to um, and my experiences to just have a more powerful short story to share. And um, so, yeah, don't give up, and don't think that because you're in the trenches right now with whatever life has thrown at you means that you're never gonna get to it. I think it's hard, especially with um comparison. And you know, you can open your Instagram and you feel like even other moms with young kids, you're like, well, they can do it, but we don't know their story. We don't know their situation. We don't know the type of support they have. And their story is not your story or my story. And so just
0: realizing that God can do incredible things even through quiet seasons. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely say that. Um the pressure, What what is the pressure of motherhood like? I mean, you open Pinterest and there's like, I mean, like you said, I'm a casual girl through and through, so I'm on the paper <laughs> plates train, but you yes. open Pinterest and there's these crazy birthday parties or whatever. You know, what is it like to all of a sudden have three children and this mommy pressure and then there's the dream pressure? Like, how do you navigate all that? Oh my goodness! The I mean the standards
1: that we and that we set for ourselves are so unrealistic and unobtainable most times. Um, and so I had to be really careful. That's not like I. Oh man, just thinking about this makes me giggle because I thought about like what type of mom I would be, and if I pictured it, you know, five years ago, I would have these beautiful birthday parties and this perfectly decorated house and. Um, I don't, you know, I have food on my floor that my toddler has thrown there this morning and I have things on the walls. That I don't even know what they are. You know, I mean, I, I have like constantly I'm turning around and something is broken by a innocent child. And, um, it was really humbling as well because with getting kids in foster care, you know, academically, my children were a bit behind and rightly so based off of their situation. And, So all of a sudden I was like, not only a mom, but now I'm like an elementary mom with a child who struggles. And having to realize um, that these are the children that God gave to me, not a picture perfect family, um, but, but it's picture perfect to Him, you know? And... I, my advice would be if you're starting to feel overwhelmed by comparison or you're you're getting on social media and you just don't feel good about yourself you know after scrolling take a break um, there'll be days or or weeks actually where I just don't post anything or I just I just opt for a little bit of a quieter you know routine and I, I try to stay away from my phone and just devote myself to my kids and those are my favorite days Um but, yeah, just allowing yourself a ton of grace, a ton of grace and just remembering that God gave you the children that you
0: have in your house uh, for a reason. Wow. that I mean that's that's really encouraging as you I mean, even for someone without children right now, but yeah, comparison really, um, it really can steal your joy and really cripple you from actually doing what you're called to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so easy to get caught up in what other people are doing, but that was never your calling or your mm-hmm. purpose to begin with. And so I really resonate. I um, even even doing Instagram for my job. Someday just fantasize about closing that down, down or <laughs> or since I can't close down Instagram, maybe just close down Facebook so I don't have to see people's opinions all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because oh, goodness, it's overwhelming. It's like I don't want to waste life creating this, you know.
1: Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And I think just I would I would wanna remind, you know, you or anyone listening to seek real face-to-face community over just a virtual one. I mean, I think that what social media has done is incredible. I have, especially through the fostering journey, made a lot of relationships where we did eventually meet up face-to-face and we were all going through the same thing so we could bond. But nothing compares to um, the friendships that I have with the people who will come in and sit on my couch. Totally. Um, I believe that's how God designed us to be, is to to be living in community and so if you don't have that, like I would say, get involved in a church, get involved in a small group, something where you can look somebody else in the eye and be like, am I the only one struggling here? You know, am I the only one who's, who, whose house is a mess or who has laundry to do for days or whose kid had a major meltdown and I can't figure out why or who feels like a failure? Um, we, we're not designed to do this life alone. So those important those relationships are the most important.
0: What? Yeah. How, have, how you have you navigated building, community, building community with people, having, essentially, having an essentially an instant, an instant family. family? Like, like did, that, did change? that change? Did your friendships did your change? change? Did new, did people, new come people come into the picture? picture some, people some, some people leave. leave. What, did, what that did that look that like for like? you?
1: Yeah, that was really hard. Um, for sure, some people have left, and and that's that's a natural thing in life. You know, when you go into a new phase. Um, But I've also gained really incredible relationships. It's been a little weird because for my age, like most people would be having their first child, maybe their second child. And so all of a sudden I had like, you know, three kids. And then on top of that, we were headed into elementary. So like right now I have a seven-year-old, but all my friends have like two-year-olds. Well, it's really, really hard to do a play date with a seven-year-old and a two-year-old. It just doesn't work. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, it's just like my poor seven-year-old is so bored and we're at like the little kitty section of a park. It's just not fair. Um, so I've had to kind of be thrown into this um, group of people that and, and, and an age group that I wasn't necessarily prepared for. But there's been so much wisdom there. It's been the greatest gift. I've been all of a sudden, you know, uh, my community is now moms who have been doing this longer than me. And I can look at them and say, like, hey, I have a question. Like, is this normal for a seven-year-old? Or, or how would you handle this situation? Or what type of discipline are you guys doing at home? Or how are you making your home a gospel-centered environment? And having that wisdom is really important. Um, but yeah, I for sure changed my community. And I had to just accept that and realize that the responsibility that God had given me um, I had to, like I said, I had to steward that. And so stewarding that meant finding that right community. And also um, ones that would show our family grace because we didn't have a normal situation, quote unquote. And so if people couldn't understand that, it wasn't necessarily healthy for us to be around. Um, but we found just a great support system and um, a great group of families that have loved us so well.
0: Has, has Navi, like... Now, I've used to word navigating like 10,000 times. But okay. <laughs> navigating um, approval from people in this, like, I mean, you were an instant mom. I'm sure it's like, can feel like overwhelming. Am I doing this right? Mm-hmm. Uh, has has the process of like letting go of the need for people's approval been tough? Or ha- is that not something you struggle with anyways?
1: I mean, I definitely struggle with it because as a mom, um, i mean as a as a human right yeah. we see, we seek approval from other people, and it does matter to us and um what has I've had to realize is that God has written this story for our family in this specific way, and not everybody is going to understand it um not everybody is called to understand it, but each day the decisions that I have to make have to be based around um you know what am I doing for my family that will lead them to our heavenly Father, and if I can say that I'm doing that, and I'm seeking counsel, and I'm seeking wisdom from others, and I'm doing the best that I can, you know, then I have to be satisfied with that. Um, more than ever, I've realized the importance of who we surround ourselves with, because my kids have been through a lot, and so. Having them in environments where adults um, understand that and love them and show them Jesus and that I can trust, you know, if I leave them with these people, I know that they're going to be showing them Jesus in the same way that I would. Um, that's been really important to me. So I feel like my, my I have definitely grown thicker skin through this process. Um, I was really apprehensive at first because as a new mom juggling three kids, um, <clears throat> That's intimidating, you know, you know all the yeah. time with moms who have been moms for like seven years. And I'm like, you know, ha- so it would be funny because I'm just not, I'm just not the mom who has like, I just, most of the time I don't even carry a purse with me, you know, and I have like my phone and my credit card in my pocket and I look at these moms pulling out these organic snacks for their kids at the park. And I'm like, all right, guys, let's go through the drive through <laughs>
0: um,
1: But, you know, I just had to be okay with that. Like I had to be okay with, we have a lot on our plate and I can't do everything perfectly.
0: You know, oh, yeah. and there's
1: going to be things that I'm going to have to compromise on, but I can love them really well. And I can, I can show them Jesus and those, the eternal things are the things that matter.
0: Ooh, that's good. That If there's a one-liner from this episode, it's that. It's the attention yes. that matters. So what? speaking of that, like what legacy, now that you have these beautiful children that are, you know, you guys are a family of five now, what legacy do you want to leave for them?
1: Ooh, what a great question. You know, I want my kids... To be able to say yes to scary things and realize um, that our God will not forsake them through that. You know, I want them to follow where he leads, even when they don't understand why he's leading them there. Um ultimately that's what's gonna bring him glory. You know, I remember somebody saying, like, they were telling me when we were in the trenches of just like loss, you know, and having to say goodbye to this precious baby. And I remember like that next week, my husband and I were in church and somebody was like, how are you doing? And I just broke down, you know? I'm like, well, how do you think I'm doing? You know, I just lost a baby. Um, And I I just cried. I was like, this is really hard, you know? But um, they reminded me, they're like, you know what, people are watching, you guys. People are watching your life and, and how you're responding to this. Don't ever forget that. And so I just pray that my kids live a life where people watch their lives and see Jesus. That's it. You know, I I want their lives to be pointing others to Christ through the way that they live. Wow. I mean,
0: boom, mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, that's really cool. I mean, I've so enjoyed listening to your story and what you're getting um, to do in their lives and with your family. It's just It's really cool. As someone who considers adoption for her future, it's so fun to learn from you. I'm sure I'll have a thousand questions for you one day. Um, Uh, I can't wait. But I've loved, I've just loved hearing your story Um, as you kind of, as we kind of shift gears. um, If you could kind of leave our listeners who might be in the trenches, um, navigating motherhood with young kids or even old kids, just having a lot on your plate, you know, juggling being the, uh, the caretaker, the, uh, working mom, the also navigating your own dreams. What would your advice be to our listeners, um, kind of in this season?
1: Well, I recently, I've been thinking a lot about the fact that this is, this is going to sound like I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm not. My, my advice, which might sound weird is to get outside, And adventure in the world that God has created. And this is why. I think when we're so deep in the trenches, we can't see anything else. Um, All we can see is our struggles, you know? And so I remember this season with our kids where everything was so dark and broken. You know, like we would go to a visitation. We would be dealing with like regressing behaviors at home. Our nothing felt safe. You know, it was just a really broken time every day. We were wondering if it was going to be our last together. But when we would go out and go on a hike and be in the mountains, and I had nothing else to say. You know, I, 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 had no words to, I had no words to give to our story. It was just too heavy. I was able to look at our kids and say, hey, do you see this mountain that we're on? Do you see how big it is? Like, God loves you bigger, you know? And when I would take them to the beach and escape, we would still be in a really hard season, but I'd look at the ocean and see, see how vast it is, see how huge it is. God's love for you is greater. And in those, like those moments are the ones that we remember because we were in God's just masterpiece and we were able to see that He loves us so much more than we could even comprehend. Even when we can't comprehend why we're going through what we're going through. So, my advice is to just try to have these like beautiful adventurous moments in the world that God created and remind yourself, you know, look up at the sky, look up at the stars, remember that those are counted, that he that they're named. And um, never forget that his love for you is greater. That would definitely be my advice because those trenches can feel so dark, so dark and so broken and so overwhelming, but look for those glimpses of hope. And speak truth over your life, speak them to yourself out loud and over your kid's life or
0: over your husband or wife. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, man. What a good chat. I've so enjoyed this. Have you, if you, do you have any resources that our listeners um, might enjoy about adoption or foster care specifically, or just a book or podcast or music that you found encouraging lately?
1: Oh man. Um, well, you know,
0: on Instagram, there's a really
1: great foster care community. If you just look up the hashtags like foster to adopt, or there's a hashtag knit together by adoption, or adoption is hard is another one, or foster care is, is another good hashtag. Um, you will just start to find people's accounts that are in the sa- on the same journey. Um, Respite Redefined is another podcast that is specific to foster care and adoption. So that's a great one. Um, Books, I I don't know why, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. Well, I'm sure you don't have all
0: the time in the world to read at the moment. (laughs) So just wondering if you did have any. So man, it has been such a joy to chat. Where can our listeners find you um, in the future? I know Instagram would be yesterday and forever, right?
1: yep instagram yesterday and forever um you will need to send me a request send me a quick message telling me that you heard me on this podcast just so i know where you found me um and then eventually it'll be www.yesterdayandforever.com that is in the works and i can't tell you when it'll be live but it's there one it belongs to me
0: (laughs) you have little ones right in front of you and yeah. so one day that'll happen, but they're most important right now. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll of have um, Kimberly's Instagram linked up in the show notes. And then one day when she launches a website, I'll put the website in the show notes. Well, there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Kelsey. Thank you. Thank you. You guys, I loved having Kimberly on today. It was a little different than normal, but I think that it was perfect for what we're doing here at Radiant. I know we have so many listeners who are wondering about their dream, but also timing it with the um, commitments of life—whether that's your family, your day job—you know, we've got a lot on our plate. And sometimes getting our dreams off the ground happen at just the right time. And I thought Kimberly spoke so beautifully into that, and so beautifully into her purpose and her calling, and raising her family. Um, how cool is she? So you'll have to follow along with her. I'll link up her social media outlets in the show notes. And when she does launch a website, I'll link that up there as well. As always, you can get more involved with writing. We'd love to have you reading our articles at the magazine. We'd love for you to join us at City Meetups. That's just a place of friendship, community, and connection happening in cities all across the US and soon to be all across the world. So we're so excited with what's going on there We also would love to dive deeper in the Word with you at radiantcommunity.org. That's definitely a place where you have plenty of video devotionals and a private Facebook community to walk alongside other women. So we have plenty of opportunities for you to get involved here at Radiant, whether that's participating in a city meetup, hosting a city meetup, or even just joining us at the Radiant community for going deeper in our faith together. So we'd love for you to walk alongside us Until then, we'll be chatting here each and every week on the podcast, and I'm so thankful you're joining me here. Until next week. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Cozy up for the holidays with 60% off everything at Banana Republic Factory, including soft sweaters, comfy pajamas, must-have gifts, and more from $9.99. Find your nearest store now, only at Banana Republic Factory. Get 50 through 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Plus, shop new doorbusters for the family, including outerwear, jeans, and our Gap logo crewneck sweatshirt. Find it all at Gap Factory or GapFactory.com through December
1: 14th.